This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to the Media Rumble Sessions. Before we go into the session, I'm of course the moderator, so I will be asking all kinds of questions. But just to make this very clear, I'm also a litigant in court. In fact, the first ever uh, petition which was filed against the IT rules was for The Wire and I was a co-petitioner. Therefore, you all know where I stand on this. But nevertheless, let's uh, first welcome Apar and Namrata and uh, we will start with introductory remarks from both of you and then we'll move into the questions. Apar, you want to start? Uh, thank you so much, Danya. And by way of disclosure, I work at an organization which has also supported strategic litigation in two cases which have resulted in orders. And I just want to quickly recap on what the IT rules are to set a foundation to the conversation which will follow. And also, what is the litigation, which I think can be picked up by Namrata, Venu, you, all of us together. So um, in a sense, the IT rules were made in, towards the end of February this year, and it expanded the go- role of government in terms of oversight and sensorial powers towards, uh, firstly, social media uh, platforms and significant social media platforms. That's in part two. And in part three, this was a new basis of regulation, which was extended towards online digital publishers and online video curated platforms. The uh, the former being platforms such as the News Minute or The Wire and the latter being online streaming services like Netflix, Hotstar. So if one looks at the IT rules and the scope and ambit of the governance, which is sought to be achieved. Now, we may disagree that what is the type of governance and the form of it, but it encompasses more or less uh, the sum total of our online activity. If you leave out certain other areas, which are also prominent, but for a lot lot of people, this constitutes the public sphere of discussion. This constitutes how culture will be determined. And that's why it's very uh, intrinsically linked to our fundamental rights. However, the seriousness with which this uh, needs to be approached does not seem to be reflected in the uh, way the regulation has been devised because it's been done not through an act of parliament through considered legislative debate, but has been done through an executive notification under the Information Technology Act. And there are at present close to 18 petitions or even more than them in different high courts all over India which are challenging the the wires of these rules. And lawyers usually say the rules are ultra wires, the parent act. And just to break it down, what this means is that essentially that these rules which have been made by executive notification do not have a legal basis to stand on. They have just been made by the central government without having any kind of legal backing under the IT Act, specifically Section 79. And this is most prominently with respect to part three of the rules, which with respect to uh, 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 online digital news media platforms and online video curated platforms. There are three cases which have led to significant orders. And I think uh, possibly we can discuss this later on. And they reveal interesting insights. They have offered some form of relief to online news media publishers, but they underscore that the government is approaching a very, uh, very, a very well-needed uh, regulatory uh, conversation with haste, and also with um, aggregating a large amount of control and sensorial power, which is not, uh, which is not towards 
the end objectives of public utility um, in uh, in digital media and digital conversations. Sure. Thanks, Apart. Namrata, what are your thoughts on the digital media rules? As Apart said, it's an executive decision taken. Uh, if you could also speak about um, the fact that these rules do not just talk about news organizations, but I believe that the ambit is much bigger. They speak about anyone who does news online. So is the government looking to cover a larger base of even individuals who may be uh, covering news on uh, any online platform? Um, I think... So like Apar mentioned, the rules travel far beyond the parent legislation. And when we talk about the kind of uh, news curators or news publishers that it is trying to govern, it is definitely going far beyond the ambit of what the IT Act envisages. In fact, it, it, the argument often is that it doesn't envisage regulation of digital news media at all. Uh, doing that would have to be done through parliamentary debate and through legislation and not through the rules. So I do think to answer your question that it is consolidating the government's control over online content in a big way. Um, and this applies equally to journalists, to digital news media, very problematically as a fourth pillar of democracy, and also to everyday use of online communication, uh, to any kind of free expression where, as Apar mentioned, now online platforms are a kind of civic space. So in that sense, the rules do kind of contribute to shrinking civic spaces. Um, and I think there are two elements broadly, very broadly speaking, two areas that the rules cover. One is content governance and the other is um, expansion of surveillance and data retention. So on content governance, again, um, both directly impact, I think, digital news media and journalism, apart from the general harms they do to right to privacy and free expression. But on the content governance piece, the biggest issue is that in, there's a new grievance redressal mechanism at, at the top of which is the government. Uh, and this is something that is very problematic against international human rights law, which squarely says that we should reject any kind of system where government agencies, instead of judicial bodies, decide become the arbiters of free expression. So, and the second is, again, the scope of the parent legislation. The second area that I spoke about surveillance and data retention relates to traceability, right? So even in the specific context of digital news media, just a little quick background on traceability, what that section in the rules requires is that um, there's platforms like WhatsApp, like Signal, um, significant social media intermediaries that we use for messaging, that they should develop the ability to trace the first originator of a message. This means that they attach a kind of identifier to any message that travels on the platform so that it becomes easy to discern who is sending what, which is fundamentally against encryption. And we can talk about that in more detail later. But I think this also speaks to the general ecosystem um, harm to news delivery, to journalism, right? Um, before, news, before we see news online or on television or on newspapers, there's a lot of communication happening between journal, journalists and their sources or internally. And I think encrypted platforms are vital to even making sure that we have an open news, open information exchange system in the country. So in that sense, I think that also, in addition to the general harm, there's a very specific harm uh, to the digital news media industry as well. Okay, thank you, Namrata. Apart, so one of the contentions which everyone has raised through various petitions, like you said, almost 18 petitions across different high courts is that in the haste to bring this law, uh, all news websites or news organizations, digital news organizations have been classified as intermediaries. We are not intermediaries, is what we have been telling the court, right? 
Now, one question that I am asked often whenever I speak against the digital rules is that, why should it not be applicable to digital media? There's no control over them, but there is there is something which the television channels or there is a code of ethics which television channels and newspapers follow. So why not for digital? That's the question which people continuously ask us. What is your reply to that, Appa? I think the, uh, the objection which quite often is there to the IT rules is not to a system of governance uh, by itself. Uh, it is uh, to this system of governance, which is uh, aggregating power at the ministerial level which I think a lot of people who, if they would be better educated about how the rules work, would understand that the digital news publishers who have approached court are not stating that there is, there is an absence of need for regulation uh, today. But they're saying that under the IT Act, uh, there is uh, the system which is being de developed is extra legal because, uh, and there's reflection which you find uh, with respect to these arguments in the order of the High Court of Bombay, uh, which is in AGIG promotion of 191A Media Private Limited versus Union of India. And that's also clubbed with a petition by Nikhil Wagley. And uh, essentially the uh, objections in that petition are on rules 9, 14, and 16 of the IT rules. And uh, the court agrees with the assertions made by councils under rule 9.1 and rule 9.3. Let me just say what these are. Uh, the 9.1 rule relates to the code of ethics itself, which is annexed and is obligated to be complied by any digital news media platform. And if you look at the code of ethics, which is appended as an annexure to the digital news media ethics rules by itself, uh, it has references to the Press Council of India, to the Cable Television Regulations Act, uh, as well as, uh, I think, two other sources of, uh, of uh, rules which will be now applicable to online news media platforms. The Bombay High Court looks at this closely and says that essentially, firstly, the PCI's journalistic code of ethics apply in a moral, uh, uh, without a legal force, they are much more in terms of a moral instruction. In terms of the Cable Television's Regulations Act, it says it has an independent adjudicatory body. And it says that... So are, we saying, no, so Apar, are we saying that if we look at the Press Council of India rule of uh, ethics uh, rule and what the uh, Cable TV rules say, the government interference in both those are considerably lesser than what we have in the digital rule? Uh, uh, I would say no. I would say that uh, uh, if you look at the Cable, especially... Uh, Yes, with respect to the Press Council of India, because it's also uh, uh, it, it's a distinct body, uh, which which sometimes does hear complaints in certain other forms of contraventions under the PCI Act, right? But those rules by themselves, which are referred within the appendix, are not binding. The second, with respect to cable television regulation, I would say that there are very very severe consequences. It's just that they're not. Uh, in the cases where complaints are quite often made uh, applied, we see a proliferation of hate speech today on television broadcast news. And we need to ask ourselves if this is the right way and mechanism of enforcement, which we need to also now take towards the digital media ecosystem. Because the core fault is in Rule 9.3. I'll just quickly just wrap this up. Uh, it says that at the very top tier in terms of adjudication, what sits is the ministry itself which acts on the basis of recommendations which are made to it by a uh, by an interministerial committee which is set up 
so what happens more or less is that the ministry, which is the Ministry of Information and Broadcasting, which itself may be the subject of uh, journalism. Certainly, if you open the newspapers, it's the central government, which uh, occupies the greatest space in terms of journalistic scrutiny. But what happens is that if it also becomes the censor uh, directly and has powers independent of the blocking rules, also arguably towards issuing emergency directions towards blocking, that's a very high censorial power, which is why the Bombay High Court has state rules 9.1 and 9.3. And this has also been reaffirmed in the petitions uh, before the Badras High Court and DM Krishna and digital news publishers. Uh, so this, this is more or less something which has been now also judicially recognized. It's not only digital news publishers saying it, these are constitutional judgments in terms of interim orders passed by high courts. Okay. Uh, Namrata, um, I want to just uh, shift the focus a bit. Now, when we speak about the digital rules, there's always uh, uh, the mention about what happens in news industry. Um, you know, for example, I run a news organization. What is the cost on me even to run a grievance, uh, uh, a redressal forum or have an officer? In fact, for one article that we wrote, it was an interview of a rationalist. We got 35 complaints. So we had to write back to all 35 of the complainants. The grievance officer has to do that. And... Uh, if the rules hadn't been stayed, then this month we would have to give a report to the ministry. That's what uh, the rules say. But I want to look at this from the perspective of the consumer, of the reader, or the person who watches news or who consumes OTT platforms. How are these rules going to affect the consumer? Um, I think one big negative impact is that um, the sheer array and diversity of information that the consumer currently has available um, on their fingertips, on any news forum, on digital news forums, on social media platforms, that will be reduced significantly because there are two things that, that happen, right? One is uh, takedown orders and content being taken down because um, government agencies are overstepping and asking for uh, content that is that should stay online to be removed. But the second is also the effect that it has on smaller outfits that don't have the capacity or the resources uh, to incur compliance costs there might be a risk of overcompliance when you are facing the kind of liabilities that you're facing, um, the incentives differ. There, there might be some who refuse to or, or refrain from publishing certain kinds of information and news pieces simply because the costs that may follow are too high. So I think in that sense, it disincentivizes diversity of opinion and free sharing of information. And there also one more relevant thing is that fake news is one of the biggest justifications that is coming um, forth as a, just, uh, as a reason for implementing these rules. And that in itself is very problematic, right? Because um, there is no agreement on what fake news is. And we have several statements from UN special rapporteurs and otherwise saying that we cannot base legislations that interfere with fundamental rights on this amorphous concept of fake news. So for that to be the central, one of the central uh, basis of th these kind of rules is in itself problematic. And second, it also um, runs the risk of capturing within its fold a lot of information that is not, that is in fact, um, that, that the people have a right to, right? Um, it may capture news pieces that are in the form of opinions, but are unpopular. So in that sense, there is also a very clear and legitimate power that the government then gets 
to um, demand that certain information be taken down. And then there's the timelines, right? There is 24 hours for certain types of content, content, 36 hours. And even the longest for providing assistance to law enforcement is 72 hours, which is very, very short. Uh, which again ties in with the possibility of over compliance because I simply may not have the capacity to get back on this complaint within 24 hours. So let me just remove it anyway. So as an end result, as a consumer, I don't have the information that I had available to me before this, these rules were enforced. Okay, so we have Mr. Venu uh, joining us. Uh, welcome, Mr. Venu. So my first yeah. question, because you can add your remarks to, is that we have been speaking about this for quite a few months now. Uh, and Apar and Amrita have spoken about the legalities, about other issues. But what is the politics? What is the politics really behind bringing these rules in? And do you believe that at some point of time uh, that this could even go to the parliament that they, they may try to bring an act? Well, uh, Danya, the the politics behind this it's very clear, and it has been clear from day one. This uh, this government has. Uh, uh, with a brute majority uh, in parliament, uh, they uh, their attitude, uh, as it were, uh, they pay lip service to uh, to democracy. They pay lip service to uh, you know nurturing institutions, but uh, all their legislations, uh, all their actions on the ground show that uh, that they're doing exactly the opposite. They they cannot. Uh, they have shown no uh, uh, you know signs of. Uh, of 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 nurturing any of these institutions, media being one of them, uh, democratic institutions, and they 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 have shown signs of uh, 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 not signs. They've shown very clear tendency uh, to be intolerant of of dissent, and, uh, th and this is manifested in various ways. Uh, media, uh, in my view, uh, Danya, they were uh, in the first term. Mr. Modi uh, did not. Uh, really go after the media, but after the this, this, the second term, 2019 elections, they 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 had a very clearly laid out agenda, uh, uh, and and we all know what the the, the agenda was, and uh, that agenda included. I, I'm talking about the politics of this whole thing. They they were they had to push through a lot of things, uh, which included uh, uh, you know uh, the, the Citizenship Amendment Act, which included. Uh, you know, the uh, reading down of Article 370, which included, you know, pushing through laws uh, which were not necessarily discussed in Parliament, you know, farm laws, etc., uh, not properly discussed either in, in, in parliamentary committees or properly, you know, uh, discussed in Parliament. Now, to, then you have to do all this. The media was, media was very much part of, uh, of the instrument for debating uh, many of these politi big political decisions. Now, uh, my sense is, my reading is that this government found the media very, very inconvenient, especially uh, digital media uh, and uh, social media, uh, in the way it 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 gave a huge pushback to uh, to citizenship uh, citizenship amendment act. Even the farm during the farm laws, you saw how intolerant this government uh, became, and they uh, and they started filing criminal cases uh, against uh, activists, etc. So all this is then a part of the background now. Uh, so they decided at some point during COVID, they thought COVID, uh, the period of COVID was uh, a very convenient uh, a time uh, for them to devise these uh, new uh, uh, laws which, uh, through which they could muzzle the media, muzzle dissent. Uh, so 
and and they and they just went ahead and did something which I, you know i then yeah i entered journalism in the early 80s uh, i have participated when rajiv gandhi in the late 80s brought, brought a press censorship bill then yeah there were you know 300 journalists who protested and marched down this boat club and went to uh, you know uh, before parliament house and uh, there were editors like enram arun chori uh, 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 and reporters all the entire media came together in opposing those bill and the bill had to be withdrawn now the, i i actually saw an exact repeat of that a blatant attempt to muzzle the media to and this time of course at that time social media didn't exist internet did not exist the context this time uh, was uh, uh, i mean context was different but but the the political dis, the muzzling political uh, muzzling dissent and muzzling media was the common factor this time as it was in the, in the late 80s and uh, uh, the only uh, thing that i the difference then uh, that i saw this time was media was not united now i i want to i want to say this because you and i have discussed this when we went to court we were the first to go to court because at that time uh, media was not fragmented like it is today at that time there was uh, there was not even television uh, in the way that we we have television channels today like to 300 channels so at that time the dhanya uh, the uh, the you know the 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 whole uh, the idea and the uh, the consensus was very clear that this was a the clear attempt at 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 uh, uh, you know uh, basically at uh, attempt at assaulting media freedom assaulting freedom of expression and everybody was uh, was convinced and everybody was Uh, was very clear in the head that article 19 uh, which which gives uh, uh, you know us uh, the right uh, to f- uh, freedom of expression was uh, being violated was in muzzled so uh, this time also we had that article our whole uh, all the petitions the 18 plus petitions they they talk about uh, article 19 they talk about press freedom and the 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 latest bombay high uh, sorry madras high court order which came stay order which came uh, last week very clearly says that the government cannot government cannot create an oversight mechanism uh, for media government does not have the legal basis for doing it it uh, only a, only a, only a judicial body can determine whether article 19 is being violated right freedom of expression so suddenly this government has taken all these rights through uh, through a subordinate legislation and uh, and uh, here we are we are, everybody is challenged the entire media is challenged uh, different sections of media whether it is dnpa or whether it is uh, uh, news broadcasters association and others uh, but i have not uh, seen the the same kind of movement that we had uh, in the late 80s mm. uh, this time although people are challenging uh, uh, yeah. uh, belatedly challenged uh, uh, the, the 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 online uh, the news media laws uh, as to- totally Uh, violative of the constitution uh, and totally removing all safeguards of freedom of expression but uh, but uh, but uh, f- unfortunately as we have discussed uh, media is fragmented uh, the the traditional media took about 3 months as you know then yeah we we had uh, we had gone to the uh, to, to delhi high court uh, early very early on uh, uh, but these people uh, were negotiating with the government uh, thinking that some via media uh, could be found uh, you know but uh, as you know uh, the, the attitude of this government no via media was found and they 
they got a, a rap on the knuckles and then finally they decided to go to court and and at least now we have a we have at least two good stay orders one in from bombay high court one from uh, madras high court very clearly stating that rule 9 Uh, is violative of 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 uh, funda- prima facie violative of of freedom okay. of expression. Government cannot uh, decide uh, uh, what content uh, uh, media should carry or not carry. Government cannot remove content, online content, uh, uh, without uh, you know informing the publisher. And the oversight mechanism, which I think uh, most shocking, some nine joint secretary bureaucrats, seven eight joint secretaries sitting and telling media. what it should write and what it should not you know trying to act as super editors patently illegal patently unconstitutional uh, i think the the stay orders uh, depict that and i think the government today is on the defensive it is highly embarrassed and it, the when it is taken up by the supreme court uh, the supreme court they have gone to the supreme court for for uh, for bunching up our the petition but uh, i think the 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 development so far in my view are, are very very positive for the media uh, whether it is the Uh, uh, Madras High Court stay, Bombay High Court stay, or or the Kerala High Court stay for uh, uh, news, uh, you know, television broadcasters association, uh, or the original Kerala High Court stay, which uh, live law got. I think okay. I think the general I, consensus. Just, yeah. yeah. I'll just so, interrupt so, here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so before going to Appar, I just want to make one point from what Mr. Venu said. I mean, it is of disappointment that the media is fragmented. in fact just to make it clear the big media houses did not want to challenge the law they did try to negotiate with the union government they in fact wrote to them saying that since our television channels or print publications are part of a code of ethics under the press council or under the cable tv act uh, even our digital should be under that and not under the digital media rules but the government did not oblige it said no even your website will come under the digital media rules that's o- only it is only then that the big media houses decided to go to court i really wish that they showed the courage even just when the rules were announced calling out the government saying that this is against freedom of expression apart one thing i want to ask you though you and mr venu have said that uh, the stays from the high courts from various high courts do look quite positive the whole framing of this dialogue right like this th- that this is the government trying to do something about fake news in fact from that infamous press conference which ravi shankar prasad and uh, um, and javadekar had both no longer ministers but they the narrative was that this is against fake news is against child sexual abuse and even recently i think the supreme court did say that there is a concern about fake news so if the government positions it like that then what happens uh, see here's the thing uh we've often noticed and there's been a gradual approach of governments globally not only in india of applying and utilizing existing social concerns and approaching that through a system of regulation which increases authoritarian power and one looks at the dictionary definition of authoritarian it means centralized power without any checks and balances essentially in a democratic framework what is needed are digital rights user rights in which you deepen the 191a a uh, requirement because the public has the right to receive information and knowledge and then also disagree with it now of course fake news by itself certain categories of it uh, such as intentional disinformation which may strain to forms of hate speech requires efficient enforcement but all forms of fake news will not actually require regulation 
people may already get a sense this is a very complex dialogue requiring a very depth handling of uh, civil liberties as well as the larger digital ecology, given that nobody's happy with how social media is right now, irrespective of where they stand on the political spectrum. The second issue I'd like to just uh, re-emphasize what N.K. Venu is saying, that when Rajiv Gandhi introduced the defamation bill, we saw leading editors taking out a four-kilometer mark, and people should Google that. Just look at that picture. There's Kushwan Singh, there's Goenka, all of them. Where are these people now? And I, this is this is this is an important question because we may win in the courts, but what we actually need is for the media fraternity to put up a much more uh, uh, common stand and also protest through physical action, not only through petitions. And uh, this responsibility falls on the leading publishing houses. One looks at even the uh, the the precedent of the Supreme Court with respect to the press cases, as they're called by lawyers, who have they been filed by? The Indian Express Group, Sakal Newspapers, or uh, the, uh, the Benetton Coleman Group. These are what are the bedrock of press freedoms in India. And where are these people right now? Neither in court nor on the streets. So it does make us question. The third and the final point I'd just like to make very quickly here is that while we do think that the digital media ecology needs to be regulated, and this will be a difficult conversation, what we are looking at present is direct ministerial control. And this is dangerous, not only for digital news media, but also for broadcast media. I'd like to emphasize that if you're unhappy with what's being shown on television, that same system of regulation or something very similar to that is being, is being mimicked with respect to online news uh, uh, regulation today. And this is going to lead to outcomes where you will have the worst of all worlds, government sensorial power without satisfying the restriction of speech, which is uh, possibly having fighting words or having elements of hate speech and demonizing communities, minorities. Uh, Mr. Venu, do you think we're ready for the difficult conversation on regulation itself? Of course, we are against any sort of, uh, against government sensorial powers, but is the digital media in India ready for that conversation about regulation like APAR says? And if uh, what kind of regulation would be acceptable? See, Danya, it is even when we went to court, our uh, generally our case as, as standalone born uh, digital uh, media, you know, uh, one way the government is also trying to sort of divide the media, uh, uh, you know, industry is by saying that that the traditional media uh, is already regulated by Press Council of India Act and the traditional TV media is regulated by, you know, the Cable TV uh, ne uh, Network Act. Uh, and, and they've used the same logic. The, the IT Act used the same logic to keep newspapers uh, in a very sort of artificial sort of way, uh, keep newspapers uh, uh, out of the uh, ambit of IT rules. And the, the exact electronic replica of the newspaper also had, uh, has been kept out of the ambit, right? Now, I am saying that, the, uh, and many petitions also said this is a highly irrational kind of division. Now, what is uh, what, what a newspaper publishes, the online version publishes uh, 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 almost the entire, uh, uh, entire uh, uh, content and probably more. Uh, uh, so so the, the, the two are, uh, the two are sort of, I mean, I mean, they are. The, they, you cannot separate the. The two are the same, right? So, so the what we today need is a 
a comprehensive regulation uh, uh, where uh, where the online standalone uh, digital media uh, also uh, is subjected to uh, to the the current uh, kind of regulatory system like press council of india act can be made little more uh, uh, can be can be uh, can be refined a little more and be extended to to online and and we are we are happy uh, to 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 discuss that in fact dhanya niti ayog there is a niti ayog report which the wire had reported which we had precisely recommended this it said that that online uh, standalone online uh, the new online digital uh, 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 news uh, platforms can be brought under the existing uh, self regulatory systems which already exist there is no need for government to come and uh, you know uh, uh, you know bring in some uh, 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 you know like a like a ton of bricks you know uh, uh, throw more regulation intrusive regulation bureaucrats telling us what to carry what not to carry so 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 i am my case is the government should look at its own niti ayog report and and uh, which which to me appears reasonable you know uh, within the existing sort of self regulatory systems if online can it can be dovetailed to to govern online Uh, we, uh, I think it's a it's a reasonable uh, kind of uh, <coughs> solution as far as I'm concerned. And we are it is not our case that online news should not be regulated at all. And number mm. two, Dhania, this debate itself is redundant because this government uh, it, it really doesn't need a, a law to regulate media because for for every story, uh, uh, even normal stories, they are filing FIRs against journalists and uh, publications. You know? So they are resorting to the CRPC. Uh, so <laughs> i mean um, like, like a you know uh, uh, so routinely uh, that uh, it is ridiculous for them to argue that, that they, they need more instruments to regulate media you know <laughs> i think the the chilling effect they have, they have provided to hazar uh, existing uh, laws crpc uh, section uh, you know 153 uh, 505 sedition uh, uh, criminal defamation you name it i mean uh, they, they they have a huge Uh, it's almost like a nuclear arsenal they have. You know? <laughs> so, why, I don't know why they they, they need some uh, some new laws in the form of IT Act uh, to to regulate media. You know? <clears throat> I mean, if you well, well that's true. I mean, you, every you, kind of law is now being used against journalists. But I think the IT rules are also a way to weaponize grievances, and that's what the government is trying to do with this. I'm going to go to questions now. Namrata, if you want to take this, Meghnath is asking: Do these new IT rules have a retrospective effect? Like. can someone object to an old movie and ask for it to take be taken down uh, from an ott which is hosting it today i mean i would complain about a lot of movies then so when the rules uh, when the rules were published in february so the companies were given a three month period to comply so in that sense those compliances were definitely um, not retrospective but as far as content is concerned um i i don't think and apart from correct me if i'm wrong i don't think there is any limitation on how far back you can go um to raise issue with a con- with content because the the powers are they don't have limitations right and that includes any limitation through period of time you so, can take uh, an article from 1990 uh, i mean okay digital so let's say from 2005 from the hindu and complain if it is still online and available yeah, for viewing to the public at, la- at large Uh, I would echo everything Namrata is saying. She is completely correct. There is no limitation in terms of time period. I think the legal ingredient uh, necessary to attract enforcement is its availability or publication, which means it just needs to be online. 
So if you look at the phrasing, it's publish, 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 or available, available, available. So uh, it's uh, so uh, essentially even for movies which may be like, but there'll be a tougher argument to make. I I'll tell you why also. You know, like a uh, lot of the all the movies which have been released also have censor board certificates, right? And uh, that is seen as a presumptive certification of the legality under the cinematograph by act by itself as well. And uh, uh, so it will be a tougher argument to make, but you never know because the rules do not specify it to this detail, which also shows that uh, possibly uh, even if they wanted to do these things, they could have done them a little more intelligently and with deliberation, but clearly not done. But I thought the, the rules also allow like a super censor of OTT content other than what the censorship board does. That, that is correct. However, under this, what I'm saying, the interrelationship between the Cinematograph Act and the existing rules is not very well established by itself. So a prior cinematographic certification by itself in certain instances, for instance, when it is telecast on television at a certain point in time was permitted, but thereafter for under the cable television regulation rules, they said uh, then certain certifications like for the A category need to be shown after this and this time. We have not reached that level of certainty, Danya. And you are right. There is power at present and I am agreeing with Namrata, but I'm just saying that uh, just to be fair um, and uh, possibly, uh, I don't want to use the word balanced, but what the hell balanced. Uh, uh, from what I've seen in the past, uh, uh, the sensorial funnel sometimes uh, is, uh, is, uh, is, is, is a little much more elongated in a sense. It's, it's not very short. So uh, you don't know what you can publish and what you cannot publish. So quite often, uh, there's no clear insight into what's legal and what's not legal. And this is a bigger risk I'd like to indicate to Meghna and everyone who's watching. Because when movies are made, they're made on the back of producers and the capital allocation, which is done, right? And nobody wants to uh, invest money into a project which will possibly not be telecast or taken down from an OTT platform at a future point in time because a Twitter hashtag ends up uh, trending one day and their complaints sent. Even if that same uh, feature is certified for exhibition um, uh, for uh, in broadcast. Uh, uh, or in uh, cinema. So basically you're saying that these digital rules can also erode digital rights in a way that uh, movie producers may decide not to make controversial subjects anymore because it's open to grievances and everybody's just going to weaponize grievances and keep complaining about that movie and perhaps try to take it down, it's, it's right? It's already happening. So there's a mint yeah. report I remember reading a few months ago that several controversial titles have been dropped and uh, if people want to ask themselves why are there no contemporary movies about historical dramas uh, much more like in the 70s or the 80s, of course, we, we've seen now because of the political environment, a lot of criticism about the period with respect to the emergency. But we have not seen that level of contemporary criticism, let's say, uh, far back like five years of governance. Why is there only hagiographic kind of depictions of uh, certain political personalities? It's because of things like this. And uh, it really weakens the amount of cultural debate which is available uh, in India. 
and this kind of shift also from much more narrative projects like let's say adaptation of a salman rushdie novel for instance like uh, midnight's children etc will really run into some kind of rough water for instance uh, when we saw a, uh, i think the adaptation of a suitable boy this also had a trend for a boycott and boycott trends are done every second or third day in fact danya let me tell you and let me end with this that when we find rtis with the ministry of information and broadcasting we found out that they were templatized and sent to the ministry of information and broadcasting with respect to tandav having the same uh, 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 sentences okay and essentially calling for criminal penalties against the makers of tandav and this was mm. done over a period of 3 days uh, uh, corresponding with a twitter ban trend and immediately thereafter you start noticing that uh, this entire conversation about regulation of ott platforms also start creeping in okay so in uh, the other question is from aditya raj who's asking how does this work do you have an officer i'll just quickly explain so all of us are supposed to have a grievance officer in office uh, this can be an employee or not an employee that's the person who will look at the grievances we send the reply uh, now if the complainant is not happy with the reply they can then go to the next level uh and then the of course the third level which is the interministerial committee which has not been formed yet so we are unsure of uh, who is that particular committee uh, if i can go to mr venu uh, uh, before uh, before you logged in namrita was actually talking about uh, how these rules could result in self censoring of contents by uh, news organizations what do you think are the are, are the dangers that these these rules impose on all kinds of platforms um other than self censoring the cost you have to incur uh, you know uh, it's a blow on freedom of expression but what else can you think of well i can uh, then you first of first of all uh, first of all i think we must discuss this uh, only after the the cases are decided at the moment everything is stayed what you are saying all the three tier system mm-hmm. everything stands uh, uh, stayed uh, uh, at the moment uh, Uh, so uh, so rule 9 itself uh, as far as online news is concerned uh, code of ethics so uh, i think we should wait for the the supreme court uh, to take a call my belief is that the supreme court will uh, allow the madras high court to further hear the matter uh, although the government might uh, hope that the supreme court bunches up everything but uh, the, the trend uh, that we are seeing whether it's in madras high court or in mumbai uh, bombay high court or in kerala uh i i i have no doubt in my mind that this will be struck down prima facie uh, uh, the courts have observed that this uh, government has no business to create an oversight mechanism on 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 news media uh, i think they uh, uh, it uh, that, that has been established as far as your question is concerned if if these law if, if these mechanisms continue uh, media might as well shut shop and we go home you know uh, as you said you are receiving you received 35 complaints or some uh, you know the, uh, the 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 political uh, forces will organize uh, every day uh, some you know 500 complaints every day and we'll have to within 24 hours acknowledging them uh, given our resources uh, and given uh, uh, and mind you dhanya uh, i want to make a larger comment on what media is going through uh, you know post pandemic the the advertisement revenues of all media even traditional media uh, which was trying to initially uh, which was trying to uh, you know put itself in a different box as opposed to uh, us uh, bond digital media uh, but did not succeed of course the 90% n- 
yeah, 90% fall, uh, sorry, 50% fall in ad revenues. You know, hmm. there is a CMI data which has come, which says that, you know, six years ago, there were 10 and a half lakh journalists employed uh, uh, six, seven years ago. Uh, uh, and and today it's, uh, it is down uh, nearly 85, 90% employment. People have lost jobs. Uh, media empires are closing down. Some of the leading traditional media brands are up for sale. Big capitalists, uh, you know, taking, picking up media uh, like they would, like you would pick up, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, you know, stuff from a from a supermarket. You know? uh, so that's that's what is going on. So so given the situation, uh, these rules uh, would obviously uh, already media economics is uh, is, uh, is killing us. So, so the, these rules will uh, basically finish finish off media. You know? And I, I, I guess that is what the intention is. Uh, so. <clears throat> Well, that's what the government's intention is. Before I wrap up, I'll give a final comment to Namrita. Namrita, do you believe the, uh, whether you talk about digital rights, whether you talk about freedom of expression, it's important that the court sends a message. You're muted. Sorry, I couldn't hear you very well. Uh, your question was, uh, do, you, do I think uh, it is important that the court sends a message? Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I think uh, it is important that the court sends a message because um, it, at the core of democracy is the system of checks and balances, right? And when we have the government overstepping, it is important that the court um, puts a rein on that power and checks that. But I'm also conscious that um, while we should peg our expectations on our judges, on judicial bodies, and uh, we hope that they will deliver in the interest of protecting fundamental rights, at the end of the day, we should also continue to make demands from our government to withdraw these rules because uh, these are elected representatives and they also have a mandate to make sure that rights are strengthened and protected. So uh, the short answer is yes, court should act, but uh, all our expectation, expectations should not be pegged just on courts. So don't peg all your expectations on the court. Both Venu and Apar mentioned about the protest against the Rajiv Gandhi government when there was a similar effort. So the voices was... against this digital rules has to come not just from the media fraternity, but I mean, from the media fraternity as a whole, but from the people of this country too. Yes, Mr. Venu? You know, I just want to add, Dania, you know, I was, I was part of that protest uh, which happened uh, during mm -hmm. Rajiv Gandhi's time. And I wish even now it's not late if if journalists can come together and stage a similar you know peaceful march, uh, even at the risk of uh, you know sedition being put on them. <laughs> so I, I don't put it past these people. Also, Danya, I also want to uh, point out one thing. You know, all the media uh, companies which are part of the uh, uh, the the Digital News Publishers Association petition in Madras High Court, I asked some of their uh, main anchors, TV, uh, uh, TV. Why are they not debating this on on their nine o'clock or uh, eight o'clock show? Uh, I had no answers. You know, they, they, uh, you know, hours and hours of uh, uh, airtime has been given to uh, the, the 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 confrontation between Twitter and the uh, you know big tech and the government. But they, uh, we, as news media, we've not discussed our own issue, even after winning, uh, getting such. Good stays from the uh, orders from the High Court. I don't see them. The, the, these orders being discussed on on TV. Uh, why can't they call uh, you know people like Apar or others and 
and uh, and discuss uh, uh, you know positive developments there is so much scare you know i i can't believe this i mean i in my 37 years i have not seen this kind of fear uh, that has gripped the traditional media houses you know uh, i don't know what is the is it because of their uh, their economics their uh, their their you know their uh, the survival uh, I, i don't know what is it why can't you but why can't you discuss the bombay high court stay which was a, i thought sorry the the madras high court say which i thought was a was a fantastic order you know i mean economics fear um, whatever it is i think the saddest part is that media freedom is not the first priority for a lot of media houses and it rightfully should be so and maybe uh, we will have a protest uh, maybe something will be organized if uh, and needed in the future i hope so so thank you very much everyone for joining us um thank, thank you very you. much uh, news laundry for the media rumble all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent to catch all our podcasts on news pop culture current affairs and sport visit newslaundry.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel